Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rollin' on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Every week on Fairway Rollin', it is myself and our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, talking all things professional golf, amateur golf, amateur betting, professional betting, amateur drinking, professional drinking by birdie buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped For any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck and we are updating our rankings this week at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. That will be up later this week, exact date TBD, Thursday-ish, whenever it comes. <laughs> we got our top 200 players ranked, upsides, downsides, a bottom line for all 200 players. We have a draft tracker so you can do a draft, whatever platform you're on, and do our rankings alongside, click players away. If you want to turn cookies on, you can save players throughout the all the way up until your draft so you can leave the site come back and all the players that you hit the little bookmark tab on will stay there you can keep track of sleepers and everything like we're going to talk about today bunch of stuff coming at fantasyfootball.thringer.com but today here on this podcast we're doing our sleepers yeah this is a, this is a banger week for us we're doing we did our guys on monday <laughs> now we're doing sleepers this is red meat training camp it's happening the season is so close you guys are you guys ready for this by the way uh, hopefully <laughs> Are you ready it's like the premise again? of the show is we're ready, so <laughs> freaking hope so. So with sleepers, I'll just adjust this up top. It's like, what's a sleeper? And when it was like, I don't know, pre-internet, I feel like it meant one thing. And now there's the internet. And now there's like the weird new internet where Twitter's named X or whatever the fuck now. So, mm. so I, I almost didn't curse for like five minutes. Uh, but we're going to just categorize our sleepers basically like bands. We're going to go like mainstream, like, you know, sleepers, like kinds of sleep. We're all the way to like deep. So we're going to like start with like, all right, don't yell at us if these are two mainstream sleepers. And by the end, it'll be people you hopefully never heard of. So I hope that's a good plan. Tell them the categories, Heifetz. Well, we got light sleep, like a light sleep. It's like, all right, you probably heard of him, but it's a dad nap. Little dad nap. DK is a dad nap. Not off. We got, yep. yeah, Couple we got glasses of wine after dinner. Food Network's on. <laughs> Been there. On the couch. Yeah. I saw a video the other day of a dad who had 
was watching his two kids. They were like painting. He told them to paint him sleeping and he took a that nap. That is brilliant. I shared that with Skippy. <laughs> I sent that to Skippy. I'm not kidding. The uh, the, the light sleepers, the dad nap is, is when you're sleeping upright. Yep. Yeah. That's what that's what this category is. <laughs> like there's a cup on your stomach. It's like, yes. it's like your, your head there. is just down. Like your chin <laughs> is on your chest. Yeah, big double chins here. Um, all right, let's start it off with a guy who I'm sure a lot of people are not going to think is a sleeper, but if you're just coming back from the summer, you've not been paying attention whatsoever to fantasy football, Anthony Richardson, quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, I think is a is maybe the best late round quarterback sleeper um, of this season. So going into this year, we got him at QB 15. The fantasy pros consensus is QB 18. I think he's much higher when it comes to like underdog and best ball and these types of things. Um, the sharps probably because people are just like way more plugged into it. But basically if he falls in your draft, I think he's well worth grabbing um, in the middle to late rounds just because he has, you know, that true elite upside um, for cheap. So at quarterback, I think people have kind of caught on that the running thing is important. There's not many real true sleepers, um, but Richardson, Bottom line, he could suck at passing. He could be really, really bad at passing, and he could still be, you know, a top five, top three quarterback potentially if he if he scores enough touchdowns, if he runs enough, um, which I think he's going to based on the coaching staff that they have with the Colts and based on you know just his athletic profile and size and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, the running upside is what makes him absolutely ludicrous ceiling. I would just like to say this is a, a a real Ricky Bobby sleeper from DK. This is like if you're not first, you're last. So just go for first. <laughs> and I would also like to note the last time DK really, I mean, last year we talked a lot about Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, but DK all the way back in 2019 was like pounding the table for Lamar Jackson, which was a very similar at the time prospect yeah, of like, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen here, but if he's good, this is the kind of player that destroys fantasy leagues. And then obviously Lamar was like incredible. So I'm not saying Anthony Richardson's going to do what Lamar did and set the record for rushing yards by a quarterback. And, and also lead the, the league in passing. Exactly, exactly. That's not going to happen. But DK, I guess my question is like, how much of a risk reward is this? Obviously, the reward is if Anthony Richardson's this incredible Cam Newton-esque player. But like, mm -hmm. you're you're our draft expert here too. You're scouting these guys on tape. How likely is that Anthony Richardson actually steps in and his rookie year is that good? <laughs> or competent enough that he can run a lot for fantasy even if he sucks in real life? Yeah, I was going to say, I think the, the bar for good is really low because... I guess the assumption here and really the only gamble is that he is going to be running a lot. I think he's going to be running a lot. If he ends up running a lot, he is almost surely going to be very valuable in fantasy because at the end of the day, you can be pretty terrible at passing and you still be a, a elite fantasy quarterback and, um, you know, just on the fact that you're running and scoring touchdowns. So just for an example, look at Justin Fields season from last year among 33 quarterbacks who were passer rating qualified fields was 27th in attempts, 26th in yards, 25th in passer rating, dead last pressure rate, dead last in sacks, 31st in off-target throw rate, 16%. Oof. 16th in pass TD, so right in the middle. And that's 16, or he had 17 pass touchdowns. That's like not very much. Um, essentially won a game. He finished as the QB5 in points per game. And that's because he yeah. ran, uh, he was scoring 11 points rushing per game. Um, so everything on top of that <laughs> is just like a little bonus. And so... Um, <laughs> you really don't have to look much further than last year. Justin Fields was an atrocious passer. I mean, there was definitely some really highlight throws in there. And I think he, he really flashed the ability Fields did to develop in that area. But at the end of the day, he was not a good passer last year, like by any metric almost. And so 
I think that's kind of what you can expect from Anthony Richardson. Like many rookies, most rookies don't really do that well at passing. Um, and so, you know, basically this is just a bet that he's going to be running a lot. And with the, with the coaching staff there with Shane Steichen, um, you know, brought in ostensibly to run like what Jalen Hurts has been running the last couple of years in Philly. I think the odds are good that he's going to be running a lot. So I don't know. I just love this pick. It's funny. There used to be, you know, only a few quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson and Justin Fields, right? It was pretty much like, even as little as four or five years ago, it was like Lamar and Cam Newton. And now it's just going to be very interesting. Five years from now, I wonder how many quarterbacks in the NFL are going to be like Anthony Richardson types and Justin Fields types. And where if like the top 12 quarterbacks you're drafting are just all a spectrum from Jalen Hurts to, to Anthony Richardson's to Trey Lance's. And that's just kind of the entire ecosystem of quarterback in the top 12 for drafts. Craig, to your point about there's more players like this, like Anthony Richardson, Bill Barnwell at ESPN had an incredible stat earlier this summer about exactly that, this trend of running quarterbacks. So (laughs) from 1951 to 2001, so 50 years, (laughs) if you look at like a hundred, hundred club, like hundred pass attempts, hundred carries in a season for 50 years, four quarterbacks did that like ever in a 50 year span. (laughs) And then even if you look at like 2006 to 2010, the only quarterback who did that a hundred carries, hundred attempts was Michael Vick. It was just Michael Vick. Like just last season, we had five guys do it. <laughs> wow. Five guys had a hundred carries and a hundred attempts. And like we went 50 years quickly with four people doing that. So it's just, it's everything we've been saying of like quarterbacks running. And it's like a very complicated thing. It's like, obviously the nature of the game changing, stealing ideas from college, obviously like a lot of ideas of what the quarterback position looks like, who can play the quarterback position, which is a very loaded thing historically, but we're now seeing it every year and it's almost becoming normal. Quarterback scrambles are extremely valuable when you look at it from an EPA per play point of view. And a lot of that time is a lot of the reason is because a lot of those scrambles come on like third down. You can scramble for a first time, but just think anecdotally to, okay, say, say the teams that your team is playing, like how frustrating is it when everything goes right, running or a quarterback drops back, all the guys are covered, the, the pass rush is closing in. And then all of a sudden the quarterback just like, escapes runs gets a 20 yard gain first down like backbreaking it's just so frustrating and i think it you know that of course bears out in the numbers the epa numbers so having a guy who can do both is is really important obviously passing is still important it's going to be important um but for our purposes just you know guys like anthony richardson we don't know what they're going to do in their career but this year i feel like the rushing is going to be there the nfl finally caught up to madden there was no more frustrating opposition than a running quarterback when your buddy would just send four guys deep and scramble for a first down. (laughs) I'm already going off on a tangent right here at the beginning of the pod, but you know what I think is amazing? Hmm. The three big changes to the NFL, I think in the last 20 years, which analytics, but really just the three big changes are like kind of aggressiveness going for it on fourth down where the general concept being keeping the ball is more important than losing field position. Quarterbacks running the ball, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then passing. Passing's better than running. All those things were so fucking obvious to anybody who's ever played Madden. <laughs> like anybody who's ever played Madden, it was so obvious intuitively that like you got to pass over run. You got to go for a fourth down because you want to keep the ball at the end of each half. And like you sh- and, and, like, dude, run the ball with your quarterback. Like it's great. And it's like incredible how long real life NFL coaches took forever to figure those things out that every nine-year-old knew. I guarantee you Michael Vick was the most popular Madden player for like seven straight years. 
Well, it's he the was. 20th anniversary of that because that was Madden 04, but that came out in 2003. So we're 20 years old on the Michael Vick Madden. Yeah. <laughs> that was. Yeah, Have you true, seen though. NFL coaches, Heifetz? Like, is this really well, that surprising? I'm only half kidding when I say part of the change, I think, is that these, like Mike McDaniel probably grew up tr- playing Madden. And so they get it intrinsically on this other level. But to bring him back, I do think this is probably all caused to change the rules of fantasy football, which, you know, were invented like 70 years ago when this wasn't a thing. But we'll get to that another time. But to your point, DK, Anthony Richardson is like a cheat code and is still one more thing from Bill Barnwell's column, which is incredible uh, is why running backs are devalued. But Barnwell had another amazing stat that basically uh, quarterbacks are taking under 10 percent of goal line carries even as recently as like 15 years ago. And now Mm -hmm. they're up to over 18. So, oh, wow. Wow. Like an 80% jump in the percentage of like goal line carries that quarterbacks are taking, which I mean, that's incredible in a very pretty short time period. So it, it's a sea change. I love it. Yes. Quarterbacks are running the ball, man. Anthony Richardson. I like that. I feel like we really deflated running backs. Do we want to talk about running backs or do we stick to quarterbacks though? <laughs> uh, let's, let's go to running backs. I want to talk about somebody who I'm back on with. Uh, we've had an on again, off again relationship, much like him and his head coach, mm. uh, Cam Akers. Running back on the Los Angeles Rams. Cam Akers has had a bizarre career for somebody who just turned only 24 years old. (laughs) Right. He had a pretty strong rookie season. And I remember doing the Flying Coach podcast with Sean McVay. And he told me, he was like, Cam Akers is going to be an animal this year. Like, he's fantastic. I love him. I was so excited. And then he tore, he blew out his Achilles in training camp, missed the entire year, somehow came back. The last game of his sophomore season came back, looked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Then the next year comes, he's still less than a year removed pretty much from his Achilles injury. He splits time with Daryl Henderson. He looks terrible. Him and Sean McVay have a falling out. It looks like he might retire. He might never play a game with the Rams again. He left the team. Yeah. Left the team for two weeks. Philosophical differences between offensive game plan between Sean McVay and Cam Akers, immaturity problems. Then he comes back for the final seven games of the season. When Matt Stafford's hurt, the quarterbacks are Bryce Perkins, John Walford, and Baker Mayfield. And he's he's fucking awesome. (laughs) In weeks 13 to 18, the the final six weeks of the season, when it was John Walford and Baker Mayfield playing quarterback, he was the RB5 in points per game. He was averaging 17 (laughs) carries a game for 85 yards. He was averaging one touchdown every game. He handled practically 90% of the carries inside the five-yard line. He was just like a full-on workhorse bell cow, like what everybody Mm -hmm. thought. Cam Akers is going to be, uh, you know, McVay loves kind of a three down back, a Todd Gurley type. And, and, and Akers kind of look like that guy. I mean, all, all of the, the, the kind of minutia stats from last year were fantastic in the final five weeks, his snap share, his route share. He was running a lot of routes, his expected fantasy points. All of them were like top five in the league. And then, you know, we thought, oh, maybe the Rams are going to replace him with somebody because of him and Sean McVay. Do they get along? They didn't really do anything because the Rams have so many other holes. They couldn't really spend any money or time on on, right. on running back. So he's just kind of there. I mean, they have Zach Evans and Kyron Williams are the are the players behind him. And look, assuming Stafford and Cup are healthy, which is a big assumption, but I, I think Akers is going to smash his, his ADP. You know, he's kind of going around 50th, 60th right now. Um, but this guy's super talented. He's two years from this Achilles. He's 24 years old. He looks great. If you watch the final five games of the season, he looks awesome. He looks like what everybody wanted him to be. So yeah. I, I think I'm in on Cam Akers. Even if the Rams suck, I mean, the guy's going to get 20 touches a game and you can get him in the sixth round. It's truly a roller coaster with this guy. I, I legit thought he was done in the NFL. I thought, of he was course. Just his, I thought his career was over. And it was like, good, you know, 
it was a good dream that he could be like the next Todd Gurley or whatever. But like, it is very crazy to think that this guy could come in and just like have a ton of volume, like you were saying. And that's exactly what it seems like McVay wants to do. Um, and he's now a couple of years off of that Achilles. Who knows? And, and honestly, Kyron Williams is not like a challenge. He's not a challenger in terms of like the early down stuff. Kyron Williams is more like a pass catching guy. And then Zach Evans is a complete who knows. So he doesn't have a lot of competition either. So yeah, everything you said, just to echo it, it's, it's kind of crazy how it's all ended up. But yeah, he, I think people are just kind of like hanging on to the fact he looked really terrible when he came back originally. And so maybe- Which was just, like five months removed from right. an Achilles tear. <laughs> I think yeah. Cam Akers is the NFL's George Costanza because it's like that episode where George keeps trying to get George Steinbrenner to fire him. And then every time he tries to get fired, <laughs> he just gets promoted. It's like Cam Akers keeps trying to get cut. And then he just keeps getting promoted. They're like, all right, I want to trade. And they're like, all right, you stood up to me. I respect that. You get the lead job now. And he's like, I actually am going to retire. They're like, you know what? We're going to run the entire offense through you. They just had, they had no uh, ability to get new running backs because number one, they didn't have any early picks. And number two, I don't think they have very much cap room. So if you look at their roster, I know I've mentioned this a few times on our show, but they have like, 50 rookies like more than half of their roster <laughs> is just like undrafted rookies 90 man roster 40 rookies 40 <laughs> rookies on the 90 man roster they have the most bizarre roster i've ever seen and yet i'm actually very excited we'll get to a couple other guys on this well, while we're on the while we're on the rams should we hit cam Akers is like a light sleep i might have to delve into like the comatose sleepers and do like a late round this is you like a jump later around round to talk about the rest of the rams yeah it's yeah. like I, I while we're on the rams dude tyler higby wow but i didn't really, realize we have three rams in our sleeper I know, That's probably not might good. Might not be the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's why. Here's why, though. So basically, it's just you're buying the dip on the Rams. Right. The Rams, believe it or not, were dead last in yards last year. Like everything that could have gone wrong for the Rams last year went wrong. Like how many games did Stafford play? Like six or something. He, but he was terrible anyway. So yeah. Well, he was. They had the elbow injury, the back injury. <laughs> two two important parts of your body if you're a quarterback. Horrific. So Stafford's hurt. Cooper Cup gets hurt. And even before Cooper Cup got hurt, the offense was horrific. Their offensive line was mangled. I, so offensive line, they had 10 combinations of linemen mm. in 17 games, like 10 different. Comb so every other week, they're teaching a new person how to do a different job. Like, that's crazy. It already yeah. wasn't a great line yeah. anyway. Everything was wrong. And then the Rams this year, they blow it. They're basically like, look, we're going to blow this up. They want to go get Caleb Williams, but they can't straight blow it up. Because then Sean McVay will retire. So what they're doing is they're creating like a football fantasy football paradise. They're going to let Sean McVay cook with the offense so that he doesn't get bored and retire. They're just detonating the defense. The defense is full of guys <laughs> that are indistinguishable. They're Oppenheimering the defense. And so it's kind of like Oppenheimer on defense and Barbie on offense. But like they got they traded away Jalen Ramsey. They have all these rookies, all these like no name pass rushers on defense. And so they're going to be the Lions last year. Remember the Lions last year? They were the Mario Kart rainbow strip because the Lions give up the most yards in the NFL. So every game the Lions played, the offense had to pass. They were shootouts. That's how Jamal Williams like led the league in rushing touchdowns. Like because the Rams, or sorry, the Lions ended up with the third most yards on offense behind only the Chiefs and Eagles who made the freaking Super Bowl because the Lions defense was so bad. That's the Rams this year. So we're talking about a team that the Rams were dead last in yards last year. They could be pretty easily top 10 this year. And yeah. then you just, we're just talking about players who are downstream of that. And like Cam Akers is, Tyler Higby is at tight end, like Van Jefferson at receiver. Like all these players are just kind of like part of this rising tide of like the Rams might be top five in yards on offense purely because their defense is going to suck on purpose. I am looking at their roster right now, their defense. Who the fuck are these guys? 
Who have you heard of? Okay, I'm gonna tell you. Tell me yes or no if you've heard of these players. Two jargons and a lie. Rams defense. Marquise Copeland. They have two Ernests. Ernest Brown the <laughs> fourth and Ernest Jones. Damn, they went double Ernest. <laughs> they have a guy named Russ Yeast who we've discussed on the podcast before. Russ, Russ Yeast. Yeast. Uh, there's a million guys here I've literally like never heard of, uh, and I think. There's something like seven, like ten undrafted free agent rookies on this list, um, dude. How many guys yeah. named Ernest these days? How'd you find two of them? <laughs> no, there's Ernest, two Ernests on this team. <laughs> Earnestly, I'm very worried about this defense. Um, but yeah, I think again, like you said, it's it's a good rainbow strip opportunity for a lot of offense. Um, if the offense is good, like at least they can move the football, you know, and they'll be playing in shootouts. It, it is like the Seahawks from a couple of years ago, or the Lions from like. Last year, year before, um, I'm excited about it. So, and by the way, like when you're talking about sleepers, you have to make some assumptions. Like some things have to go right for sleepers to emerge. And if this offense is as good as we think it can be, these are the guys. So hi, Fitzy, this is your guy. Higby, right? Yeah, no, I mean, just Higby in general. Like I think Higby and Van Jefferson and like are these guys that are just downstream of what we're talking about, the Rams. And I think that it's just like Cooper Cup and behind those guys, like the Rams have nothing. It's like, I'm not afraid of Ben Skoranek. And I think Higby's right there. You know, I I think DK, I think you're a bigger believer in Van Jefferson than me, but I think that's the overall thing is they think the Rams are going to be a much better, more prolific offense than last year. And it's like overall you're buying a rising tide. Remember how we talked about George Pickens having the quietest 800 yard season of all time? Do you remember that Van Jefferson had an 800 yard season in 2021? <laughs> I always thought Van was I had good. No idea. I think okay, so exactly, Craig. I actually am well weird truther when it comes to Van Jefferson. He came out and he was a little bit old for a prospect, so I think a lot of people sort of wrote him off. But he was a second round pick, son of a uh, of an NFL receivers coach, like a really good route runner. He was extremely impressive at the Senior Bowl, um, and then he had 800 yards in his second year, and then he tore his knee up. And basically didn't play for half of the season last year. But if you look at um, what he did when he started playing major snaps from week 11 on last year, and again, this is without Cooper Cup, so grain of salt, but he led the team in receiving. He had the most receiving yards. He played 92% of snaps, and this was from week 11 on. Um, and so he and, and Tyler Higby were the two guys in this offense, in this past offense that really emerged with Cooper Cup out. And I think, um, you know, if this is a pass heavy team, those two guys are going to be the beneficiaries of the, and obviously Cooper cup is going to be the biggest one, but like past that, you can see one of these guys have 800 plus yards. And so that could be like a good solid flex option if you're Jefferson and, and then Higby could be a huge sleeper at tight end. Yeah. I think, and those are, co those are probably more like closer to like comatose level sleepers yeah. than, uh, but if we go back to dad nap for a hot second, just like yeah. guys closer to like top 60, top 50, Craig. Yeah. Miles Sanders, uh, the running back formerly on the Eagles is now on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, again, yeah, like you said, he's kind of going in that 50-60 range. I've always thought Miles Sanders was good. He's also had a weird career. He's kind of never been able to score touchdowns, and that's kind of been his biggest problem. But he was awesome last year. He had 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, and I, I think he's always been good, but it's just been hard to tell. Is he good because he's been on the Eagles with this, that great offensive line and with Jalen Hurts kind of diverting uh, defenses? Or is he actually just good? I mean, he, he's basically, his career, he averages five yards per carry. And he's now in the Panthers, which are kind of like the mini Eagles, if you look at their coaching staff. Their head coach is Frank Reich, formerly on the Eagles. Their running backs coach is Deuce Daly, who was the running backs coach when Miles Sanders got drafted in Philly. And the quarterbacks coach is Josh McCown, who was formerly on Philly. They signed him to a big deal, Miles Sanders. Four years, $25 million, which is not nothing. Uh, $13 million guaranteed. Yeah. I think it was the biggest running back contract in free agency. Um, that sounds right. David I believe Montgomery. that's right. Yeah. Oh, it was close. Him or Montgomery. Mm. Um, but look, Frank Reich offense is 
usually just have one main running back. Jonathan Taylor on the Colts last year, 17 carries a game. Marlon Mack on the Colts, he gave 17 carries a game before that. The big question here with Miles Sanders is like, is he going to be third down? Is he going to have a three down role or is he just going to be first and second down guy? And I think he's priced right now as if he's just a first and second down guy, Mm -hmm. which to me is fine. Look, on the Eagles, he basically played half the snaps and he got about 16 touches per game. And he was the RB13 last year. Well, if you go to the Panthers, after McCaffrey left, it was the Deontay Foreman show on early downs. And it was basically the same thing as Miles Sanders. They gave him 50% of snaps, around 18 carries a game. And he was good. He had 80 rushing yards a game. Deontay Foreman was good. And so I'm like, all right, so now we have Miles Sanders, who they just gave a $25 million contract to, on the Panthers with Bryce Young, with a good offensive line. And at, and at the very least, he's going to be what, what Deontay Foreman was last year, which was the RB21, which is where Miles Sanders is getting drafted right now. If he does get the three-down work, which he's shown he could do, his rookie season, he had 50, he caught 50 passes for 500 yards when Deuce Daly was there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, if this guy gets a third-down role, I think he has a chance to be a top 15 back. I like it a lot. Yeah, and I think there's a chance. I like this one too. I, I go back and forth on him just because I'm a little worried this offense is going to stink. But at the same time, I mean, look at what Foreman did last year in the offense. I know it, volume it's a is new really coaching the name of the staff, game. though. Yeah, but that and you think that's a demerit? I I, th- I see that as a positive. Well, there's just a lot of wild cards because it's a new coaching staff, new offensive. Uh, sorry, new uh, quarterback, rookie quarterback who we've never seen in the NFL. But when I do think back to Bryce Young in college, um. You know, I think I, I, I comped him to uh, to an NBA player whose name I'm completely blanking on now. Jason Kidd. I comped him to Jason Kidd because he's like got this insane field vision. He just knows where everyone is at all the time. And there's, there's also sort of like he had, does this basketball play where um, people who have seen him play like will recognize this. He like will run up to the line and then like pass it like he's cutting to the cup and like, you know, dishing it off to someone. Did you just call the basket the cup? Yeah. It's all right. We'll just we'll move on. That's something that, that okay. people do. That's a uh, common phrase. Just pretend it's an older generational thing and move on. I mean, it is. Craig, yeah. you've okay. never heard this? I have heard it. It's just, okay. I don't really hear people say that these days. Okay, well, I'm old. I can tell <laughs> you're a old. Sonics fan. You're younger than Jason <laughs> Kidd. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I think it is true, actually. Um, but anyways. Yeah, he's, he's definitely not 40. Sports ball. <laughs> Jason Kidd's God. 50. Okay, yes, I'm, I'm younger. Um, <laughs> Bryce Young. Last year, uh, on a team that didn't have a lot of good receivers, I think his his re- leading receiver uh, was Jameer Gibbs, the running back. So, you know, I th- there is a chance here that they really utilize him more in the past game than people are expecting is my overarching, long, meandering point. If you consider him in the dead zone, I think he's one of the few dead zone guys that's actually kind of has a safe floor and a relatively decent ceiling. I like it. I've just made too many similar mistakes for me to personally be on board, but that says more about my baggage. <laughs> That's fair. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. 
or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. The NFL futures are out, and now's the time to get in on the action early this season. And right now, new FanDuel Sportsbook customers can get a $100 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. I would recommend betting the under win total for the Giants because they're not going to be as good as last year. FanDuel has tons of different player props like passing yards, touchdowns, rushing and receiving totals, and more. Also, great team markets like to make the playoffs, win the division, and Super Bowl matchups. And you can parlay together different picks for even bigger payouts. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash RingerFantasy and get $100 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. There's no better place to get ready for the football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NFL. So don't miss your chance to get $100 in bonus bets, win or lose. When you make your first $5 bet, go to FanDuel.com slash RingerFantasy to sign up today. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. I think we can get to like maybe, I think it's time for normie sleepers. These guys are like REM. These guys are what I would say is traditional sleepers. Good eight Sanders, hours. Have, yeah. It's like Sanders and Akers we have kind of high up. We have them as like top 60 players. Normie, I, all right. You want to run it back? Gabe Davis, baby. Gabe Davis. Bills receiver. Gabe Dave. We still doing this? How long are we <laughs> doing the Gabe Dave thing? <laughs> I think Gabe Dave's the classic post-type sleeper. He's literally like the, the classic post-type post, sleeper. Post-post-type sleeper. No, it's just the post. It's just the post-type sleeper. It just felt like a long time because he was really bad last year. But Gabe Davis. He was hurt. He was hurt. And like, look, at the end of the day. I think he's post-post. I think it was his rookie year we liked. And then we no, were like, oh, no, he's going to be. No, 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 no. He's had two he, bad years back to back. He no, he blew up after the Chiefs Bills 13 second game in the playoffs when he had four touchdowns. Yeah. And that was somehow technically 2022. And then we spent all of the year, the all offseason, talking about Gabe David. We're like, well, we know that won't happen again. But and in our minds, we're like, but what if it did? And then guess what? He didn't meet our expectations. Yeah. I think he and is he a post type sleeper. I think this, I think well, that's the right way of framing it. He had eight, Gabe Dave had eight point, games under eight points last year, and they had four games over 14. So like, it was kind of a disaster. If you had him, you hated him. The game That game was in 2021, the game that he had 200 yards and four touchdowns. 2021. 2021 season or the 2020? 2021 calendar year. It was in the playoffs. It's then, January 21. Wow. Well, I'm bad with time. And then last year was 2022. This year's 2023. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Am I crazy? It was two and a half years ago, that game. No, he went off at the no. end of the 20... 20- Oh, yeah, you're right. Shit. <laughs> Is it really? Yes. He's a post-post type sleeper. Oh, my God. No, I'm looking at it right now. Bill's Chiefs, was that was January of 2022. It was the 2021 season, but the playoffs are in the next year. It's 2021 season. What is time, really, other than a construct? Oh, right. 2021 season, 2022 year. I think that... You know what the best really podcast content is? Is arguing about what year it is. Okay, so just to be clear, because if Craig's wondering, I imagine everyone listening is. Craig is gaslighting us right now. I, I just got gaslighted by math. <laughs> you know what I think? I think and I think sports seasons should not pass the calendar year. 100%. I think they should all stay within the same calendar year. The only one that does that is baseball. Yes. And other smaller sports, but yes. Oh yeah, NBA, the insufferable like 2021 20, season. Like, come on with that it's shit. It's terrible. 
but everyone, all right, whatever. Like the, the NFL does that now is because they're going to add a game. So it's going to be like two, maybe three weeks sometimes. They should then, start earlier. Start by in way, August. Hi, hi this reminds me of like, you know, we have very strong, very good editors that I'm very grateful for. But like, I remember a couple of times where I'm like, you know, in the 20, in the playoffs of the 21, 21 season. And then like, they would have to change it because it, it wasn't is, technically yeah. in 2021. You have to I'm say like, 21, 22. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you just say in January, 2020. All right. So should I do in January of 2022 in the playoffs, Gabe <laughs> Davis had four fucking touchdowns. It's fucking confusing, And then we spent man. all off season in 2022 being like, well, in this upcoming season, which is also in 2022, what if he's really good? And I am here to say, the whole Good God. What, not what has actually changed though about Gabe Davis, other than our expectations, they were too high entering last season. I kind of think they're too low now because at the end of the day, he's the deep threat for Josh Allen. And I'm like, it's inherently volatile. He was underwhelming last year, but he was, he was dealing with an injury. Yes. His hands. I would prefer if he could catch footballs consistently, but you know what? Life can't be perfect. But I kind of look at this and I'm like, the Bills offensive line should be better. Dalton Kincaid is at tight end. We'll see how effective he is immediately. But I think if like more underneath options for the should only be better for Gabe Davis, like hitting, like striking lightning on those deep shots. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just look and I'm like, Gabe Davis is a top 60, top 50 ish player last year was too rich. You can get him outside the top 100. Now we've got him a, a ride, a wide receiver 40. He's our overall 97th player. That's totally reasonable for a guy that you're like, he could be, your, you know, someone who could be like, you know, maybe your fifth receiver, you can get him even later than that. And so if you're getting a guy outside the top 100, like Gabe Davis, that's exactly where I want to like take a gamble on the guy. So I think it's like the definition of a post-time sleeper. Yeah. I like this. I actually do like this. Um, I think the team still likes him. I think he's going to retain his role as like that big play deep outside deep threat guy. You know, Kincaid is not going to be that guy. They signed Deontay Hardy who's literally like five, six, um, Khalil Shakur, I think, is more of a slot type option. Who else do they got? They got Justin Short, who was a fifth round pick. And I can't think of anyone else. Trent Sherfield, who I think is also like a slot guy. I don't know. Like they've just, to me, Gabe Davis is kind of locked into his role. Yeah. It's a contract year. And if he's healthy, that's huge. He's kind of like, baby. he's kind of like the Mike Williams of the team where mm. you're like, he can have big, big blow up games. But when you right, actually look right. at his stat line throughout the year, he has a lot of like two catches for 33 yards. Yeah. Do you guys ever throw like a phone at someone or not, not throw a phone at someone, but you ever in a situation tossing someone your keys, tossing, some, you know, you're going to show them a meme or something. You're showing someone your phone. You're showing someone, you're, you're tossing your keys, whatever. And like someone, as soon as they happen, like they're like, oh my God, no, they weren't, they don't like to have things tossed at them. It's like the you George Michael. They like flinch? George Michael. Yeah. On the, <laughs> he turns exactly. back to everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I will say Gabe Dave has those vibes where it's like, he's great at everything about being a receiver, except like the catching part. We yeah. still doing that? <laughs> yeah. I just picture it's like throwing like a broom to him or something. And he just turns his back. It just hits yeah. him in the back. <laughs> Other than that, he's wonderful. Uh, God, job. that show is good. Um, yeah. Catching is important, but I think you can do There's it. There's no Kadarius Tony, but. Oh, for crying out loud. Yeah, Tony hurt his meniscus. It came out. So that's not great. Fielding not great. a punt not great before fielding a punt before practice players came out for practice. Cool. I feel like he's not gonna play. He's not playing this year. I'm out. He was out there early getting in reps. <laughs> he's dedicated. So if Travis Kelsey is the number one guy in Kansas City, what's like the sleeper stat? Like who Sky Moore? Yeah. I think I want Sky Moore next. Uh this is a guy who they picked in the second round. Um Came in and, and as many rookies do for the Chiefs, like didn't really do a whole lot. 
uh, his first season. He's just trying to learn the system, trying to learn. And, and he was never really like a super refined guy. He was more um, of an athlete trying to learn to play receiver type of deal. Uh, but I think, you know, based on everything we've heard this off season, they've really liked his, his progress um, being in the right place at the right time. And, and famously his touchdown in the Super Bowl was he and Tony lined up in the wrong spots, but he just was the benefit of that. God, can you imagine if that was Tony's? Oh, <laughs> no, it was Tony's. It was, it was supposed to be Tony's, but they lined up in the wrong spot. Uh, they lined up on the opposite sides of the field anyway. Um, but yeah, to me, like he is probably the next option in that offense. If Tony is going the way that by we default, think he's going. I mean, uh, right. somebody, we always joke, you know, somebody has got to catch passes. Who the hell is going to catch passes on the chiefs? If, t- if Tony's hurt, we have MVS, which is Marquez Valdez scaling. Who's yeah. 29 years old and has never had more than 600 yards in a, in a season. Uh, uh, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, Richie James, and Rashi Rice. What Richie who, James, by the way, getting tons of hype in training camp. Uh, so why? Because he's like on the field. Yeah. Play. Can <laughs> I, I can I give two possible alternatives for um, the Chiefs? Yes. I Richie think James. Option one. Who who emerges behind Kelsey? Nobody. It's just Kelsey. Two thousand yards. But nobody did last year. Nobody did last year. And, and Patrick that, Mahomes and, led the league in passing yards. No, but I'm saying there it was nobody last year. And if you look back, Juju had like eight, nine hundred yards and they had McCall Hardman. And now both of them are gone. So it's going to be nobody again, minus the two of them. Somebody quite literally has to catch the 48 touchdowns. So I I think an underrated person, I shout out to Scott Barrett at Fantasy Points, who's been on this train for, dude, Justin Ross, mm-hmm. just... Quick download on Justin Ross. This is a comatose sleeper. He was a receiver at Clemson. He was a pretty solid prospect. 6'4", 205 pounds. He was the leading receiver for the Clemson team that won the national championship with Trevor Lawrence. As a true freshman. As a true freshman. He had 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. T. Higgins was on that team. T. Higgins and Hunter Renfro were on that team. And Justin Ross was like better than them. And so, but he he was a freshman, by the way. Mm -hmm. So Justin Ross, but then they found out that he, um, he had this spinal condition. Uh, and they didn't find it till he like 2020. And so they didn't know, know if he could even play football. So right. then he doesn't get drafted because of this. He ends up having to get this like surgery. And then he also breaks his foot. So medically he's a mess. He basically just redshirted like a medical redshirt for the chiefs last year. But this is a pretty talented dude. And he's now taking first team reps with the chiefs. I, I don't even know if you need to draft him. He's more like, if he's no. good, like pick him up on pick waivers. Him at the very end. He's been name checked by Patrick Mahomes a couple times this offseason. Not that that necessarily means anything, but he's like in there. He's in the mix for sure. Dude who uh, didn't get drafted because of a spinal injury. <laughs> better bet to be on the field than Kadarius Tony. <laughs> like I, I wonder if just like the last three rounds of your draft, you should just draft three Chiefs wide receivers and just one of them will be good, right? But then you're getting like one <laughs> probably flex guy. Like is the upside? There, I'm saying with the idea that one will take off and find an established role. Yeah, yeah. Like if you just draft Justin Ross and Richie James and Kadarius Tony, one of them's got to work, <laughs> right? Foolproof. What if it's Rasheed Rice? Get him too. There you go. Who else we got? I want to talk about Jerry Judy, who's another guy who's kind of just plagued people for season after season here. But you know. I, I've, everyone, the thing on Jerry Judy is like, he's so talented, route running, separation. The thing about that is it's all still very true. Graham Barfield had a tweet. Jerry Judy was the second wide receiver in the NFL uh, in, in, in man coverage on receiving yards per route run last year. Like when he's on man, he just shakes people and is good. Mm-hmm. 
still. And Russell Wilson was terrible. And I saw a stat on fantasypoints.com. For the first 10 weeks of the year last year, Judy saw the third lowest rate of catchable targets among all qualified receivers. The third lowest rate. He was behind <laughs> only Marvin Jones and our guy, Kyle Pitts, baby. Which basically just goes to show you that he was working with nothing. And look, it got better. Russell Wilson wasn't as bad as the year went on. And Judy got better with him. He was the wide receiver eight in fantasy points per game in the last six weeks of the season, which I feel like people don't really talk about. He had 900 yards last year, Jerry Judy, like the quietest 900 yards ever. Seriously, seriously. He was 28 yards away from 1,000 yards last year. I feel like Is it quiet just, if all the receivers are bitching about Russell Wilson? Quiet, quiet uh, on the fantasy rosters. <laughs> so look, I, this is like a Sean Payton bet. This is a Russell Wilson's going to improve bet. He's, he's, I, th- I feel like we did this last year. And he's another post-type sleeper, just like Gabe Dave. I'm into this. I still, I'm still a believer in him somehow after all these years. Uh, and I also think Russell Wilson's going to be much better this year. I think that Jerry Judy, I would separate him and Gabe Dave only because that Gabe Dave is going like 50 spots later. But I think the difference is that Jerry Judy is on the short, short list of receivers kind of like two years ago where a receiver kind of going the, like 40s, 50s, like a true mid-range receiver that could actually be like top 12 at the end of the year. And there's a very short list of guys who can do that. And he's one. Gabe Davis is like a true number two. I mean, Jerry Judy has the possibility to act like be a real number one on the team. Yes. If you can get a number one receiver in a Sean Payton offense in the 70th at the 70th pick, you know, on that note, I want to stick with the Broncos for a hot second, dude. I, my great, terrible, uh, running back obsession this year, who's probably going to disappoint everyone, but it's, <laughs> I will love captured my heart already. Samaj P Ryan. The Mike Davis the Awards goes to yeah, Samaj P. Ryan this year. He's actually pretty similar uh, thematically <laughs> and stylistically clear. to Mike Davis. So I maybe this sure is to, it. I will make sure to contextualize my love for P. Ryan, which is he's going outside the top 100. <laughs> and in terms of a player going outside the top 100, this is my freaking guy. And I'm saying don't reach 30 spots for Samaj P. Ryan. However, <laughs> he is probably, Samaj P. Ryan's my single favorite player going outside the top 100 because it's like he was the backup to Joe Mixon last year for the Bengals. Played like 10 quarters. He was better than Joe Mixon, straight up. Like, Samaji Piran came in and people were wondering if Joe Mixon was secretly injured because he was so much, Piran was so much better than Mixon. And then he signed with the Broncos. The Bengals wanted Piran back and the uh, Piran signed with the Broncos because Sean Payton called him and said, Piran told him he was like waffling. And Sean Payton was like, have you seen how I use running backs? Why would you play? Why would you sign somewhere else? Like, we're going to use you. And so that's the thing. I, basically, my short answer is I think Piran's being drafted at his floor. He's being drafted as mm. like, like he's going to get the short side of the platoon with Javante Williams. And that's where you're taking him is as if you're getting the short side of a platoon with Javante Williams in poker. This is what they call. You have a lot of outs, a lot of different ways to win a hand. P Ryan can deliver totally on his value. Even if Javante Williams plays every, all 17 games, if P Ryan's just getting like passing down work as like the Kirkland brand, Alvin Kamara, but there's also a world where Javante Williams coming off a devastating multi-ligament injury is not ready to play the beginning of the season or suffers another injury at some point in the middle. In which case, dude, P. Ryan has the bulk to be a goal line back. He has the skill set to be a, like, a, like a passing down. He can pass. He's smooth route runner. He can catch. He has soft hands. He can block. He's the kind of guy that coaches like, which is why Peyton recruited him. I, I just kind of think there's a ton of ways that P. Ryan is like a really high upside flex that you put in your, your lineup each week. But also, if Javante Williams gets hurt, which again, he's basically had like a J.K. Dobbins injury last year. P. Ryan's the kind of guy that could just like, you know, again, discount Jarek McKinnon did at the end of the year. I'm not saying he's on the Chiefs, but like, I just, I just, P. Ryan to me is like the epitome of there's a, a like 
like you're getting him at his basement value, but there's all these right. different ways they could be valuable. Not a lot of downside here. By the way, Russell Wilson last year, he's at the stage in his career, I think, where he's just like, I don't want to get hit anymore. And he had a 23% uh, pass rate to running backs last year, which I, I, I would bet was like his career high by a lot. Um, yes. And it was fifth most in the NFL. Like he was just dumping it off to running backs. And maybe that was partly due to the offense just being terrible. Uh, but it would not surprise me again that that he like looks to just get the ball out. Like they, I think Sean Payton is going to instill in him like, don't take sacks, don't try and scramble around, don't try, don't try and do too much. We're going to run the offense. We're going to do we're we're going to use our run game. We're going to do play action, but also just like get the ball out, get the ball to your guys. That's what he did, obviously with uh, Drew Brees late in his career. So I don't know. There, there is like you said. There's a lot of ways that you can win this hand still. And if Wilson continues to like pass to his running backs a lot, like there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, I think this is a strong pick. I, I don't have a lot of notes on this, to be honest. I think this is makes a lot of sense. DK, another guy? I want to talk about Evan Ingram really quickly. I think, to me, he's just a little bit underrated going into the season because he has a reputation that he developed over the first couple of years of his career as like a guy who drops the ball all the time. Literally dropping the ball. <laughs> this, might right. be a, this might be a dad nap sleeper. Yeah, maybe that's possible. Um, and I we don't have to dive deep into it, but it did seem like they kind of like discovered how to use him correctly and ha- and how he could really thrive later in the season. Um, and I just think there's a chance that they'll really build on this. He just got a new extension, big money deal. I don't know. To me, Evan Ingram, when you when you're talking about like some of the the I guess like second or third tier tight ends, if you're if you're missing out on the Kelseys, the Hawkinsons of the world, the Andrews of the world, like he's the guy I'm looking at because I think he could end up being a big part of their passing game and really like develop in, in terms of like dump offs and yards after the catch, which is really what he was doing towards the end of last season. So I think they really figured it out. They kind of like dialed in how to use him. And I think he could really build on that this next year. Evan Agram was an infuriating player to watch for the Giants. And I personally blame him for the losing the Thursday night football game to the Eagles. That scarred me. This is the one where Daniel <laughs> Jones fell down running straight up. Um, God, that was the Giants the would have won that game, but no, it's, it's, you know, this is some hardcore cutting analysis, but Doug Peterson, coach of the Jaguars, hmm. perhaps may be a better offensive mind than Jason Garrett when he was running the Giants offense <laughs> or Pat Shermer. So, right. Uh, yeah, I think you're dead on DK when you talk about the Jaguars just not at use Ingram. And I, I like we were saying <laughs> earlier this week, pay, don't pray. Like, I think tight end and quarterback, especially, but tight end, it's like you pay for Kelsey, you pay for Mark Andrews or George, so you don't have to pray, you find a guy. Evan Ingram's like the last, it's like the last exit before you have to like cross a bridge. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the last chance where you can like, you know, maybe it's a bad example at the tall, but you can pay for Evan Ingram. And if you go past this, you will be praying that you find a tight end or else you'll be streaming one every week. He had 98 targets last year. And I think that number could, in in theory, go up this year. I, I know that they got Calvin Ridley in, in the mix now, but... Yeah, I think that's the only fear. But they're not, like, they're not going to be cannibalizing each other's, like, routes and, and the style of plays that they're, they're doing. Because he's yeah, more of, like, anything, short Yeah, if anything, it's going to hurt. It definitely hurts Zay Jones, obviously, but it would hurt right. Christian Kirk probably more than Ingram. Yeah. The Jaguars have a really weird thing where they had three different uh, three different players of the best year of their career, mm-hmm. receiving-wise, and every, like, catches, yards, and touchdowns. For three players. Yeah. Which is kind of... Says a lot about Trevor of, Lawrence, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it does. You, you just never... That's just the kind of stat you never you never hear that. Mm. Uh, speaking of things you never hear a lot, things from Aaron Rodgers. Says a lot of things I've never heard before. But <laughs> my thing with Aaron Rodgers this year, very brief sleeper with, with Rodgers. As you know, he's in the New York Jets. 
Very simple pitch. Aaron Rodgers every year has been healthy, has been a top 10 quarterback in fantasy football. Like if he hasn't been injured, he's been a top 10 quarterback every single year. Right now, Aaron Rodgers being drafted is like the 16th or 17th quarterback off the board. So a guy that's never been outside the top 10 when healthy is going 16th or 17th. Again, like P. Ryan, Aaron Rodgers is being drafted at his floor. His ceiling is pissed off Rodgers goes nuclear. I'm not even saying that has to happen. I'm saying you're getting Aaron Rodgers at his floor. And if you're not willing to pay for Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen, or even pay for, you know, Justin Fields or Lamar Burrow, if you have to pray that a quarterback goes off, I think Rodgers is a pretty freaking good one, especially if you're in a two quarterback league. But it's like you can wait 80 spots and get Aaron Rodgers and kind of just every, everything he does above average, literally, because he's the 16th, 17th quarterback. Anything he does above average is gravy. But I personally think Rodgers is really underrated right now because the thumb injury had in his throwing hand. Anyone who's ever thrown a football knows that you need your thumb to throw a freaking football. He had a broken thumb all season. So it's like, I'm kind of like, yeah. I, I personally think Rodgers is going to be like Brady with the Bucks, which no one remembers. But people thought Brady was freaking done in 2019 with the Patriots. I think that was Rodgers last year. So I think Rodgers is like the perfect upside backup quarterback. The, the drumbeat of hype coming out of Jets camp already is starting to chip away at my anti rogers stance, I will admit that. You knew, though. You knew that was going to happen, <laughs> that he was just going to have hype through the roof in the offseason. I mean, at the, end, at the very least, it's it's good that they're like looking really strong and looking really sharp versus being a complete disaster. So um, I'm, I'm starting to soften my stance. We talked about Garrett Wilson yesterday. Like I'm, I'm starting to get more excited about Garrett Wilson because I think Rodgers is pretty dialed in. It sounds like they're on the same page in training camp, which is, of course, better than not being on the same page. doesn't mean a ton, but it means maybe a little bit. And so, uh, yeah, I'm starting to get worn down on my anti-Rodgers stance, and, and I think I agree with you here, Heifetz. Another guy I like here who you can get right around 100th in drafts is... Uh, Jahan Dotson, second year wide receiver on the on the Commanders. He breaks my one cardinal rule, one of my memento tattoos, which is don't draft guys with shitty quarterbacks. But if we're in sleeper territory and we're just throwing shit at the wall and hoping something sticks, I genuinely think he's one of the better receivers in the league and he just super passes the eye test. Last year he started yeah. remember how hot he started last year? He had four touchdowns in in four games. Yeah. And everyone's like, "Jesus. This guy just had that like natural body control that he was just coming down with balls uh, on the sidelines, he was he was like immediately a threat in the red zone. Then he got hurt, but then when he came back, like the last five games of the season, he was just like kind of not better than Terry McLaurin, but was like pretty much right on his level. He mm. out-targeted him. His expected fantasy points were higher. Um, he had a better yards per route run than Terry McLaurin. It, it was more of a one A one B than it was like a one and a two. And the guy just has a natural ability to catch touchdowns. You know, he's basically like in the top ten. Uh, as a red zone threat in terms of market share last year. So look, Eric Bieniemy, the former OC of the Chiefs, is now in Washington. The quarterbacks are Sam Howell, who's a second-year player out of North Carolina, and they have Jacoby Brissett as the backup. Is is that really that worse than anything they've seen the last three or four years? No. So I'm like, look, if Deshaun Johnson, you know, usually between year one and year two is when these wide receivers make a leap. So yeah, around a hundredth, Dotson, who ha- you know immediately looks like like a strong red zone threat and somebody who could maybe steal a little bit of McLaurin's work. I love Jahan Dotson. As a Giants fan, Dotson is the kind of guy I'm pissed that Washington has Jahan Dotson. <laughs> he's just one of those guys that just makes plays happen. He's he's under the radar good. I, I totally agree. People forget he was the 16th pick so, overall. He was, it, he so, was a first round pick. You know, he's a really Dotson, good player. Dotson was the first rookie to catch seven touchdowns in fewer than 14 games since Odell Beckham Jr. 
<laughs> like, so he, not only the, as you mentioned, Craig, four touchdowns in his first month, the final month he played to your point about him playing better. John Dotson had the, the seventh best yards per route run among all receivers in the final month of the season, not rookies, like all receivers and yards per route run is like the best statistic we have for measuring quality of receiver play seventh in yards per route run. And he, he just plays like Deandre Hopkins. He's baby Deandre Hopkins. He's five foot 11, but he plays like he's six foot four. And he also is just plays faster than his 40 time. Like I, he, he's awesome. I love this pick. I want to, I want to piggyback. I also like this pick. I want to piggyback on this one and throw out one more super sleeper. And that's Sam Howell. Like if Sam Howell, what if Sam Howell number one is a better passer than anyone's giving him credit for? That's sneaky for runner, t- sneaky runner. That's what I was going to get to is like he, he has. So basically when I remember, when I think about him in college, he was either chucking it deep or taking off and running. And like, to me, that's potential for fantasy gold because he's going to be scrambling a ton. They're not going to ask him to do too much. I, I would assume Eric B is going to come in here and not try and put too much on his plate in terms of like going through progressions and all that. Like they're going to use him, utilize him in the rushing game a little bit, let him scramble around, let him try to make plays. Um, and again, that could like really translate to fantasy because he's, he's an aggressive downfield thrower who also really likes to scramble. And so number one, that could be good for guys like John Dotson, Terry McLaurin. Like they could be a little bit better than people are thinking. And I think that the enemy is also a big wild card here. Like, you know, what if they do bring in, obviously we always talk about like, Oh, they're going to bring in the chiefs offense. But what if they bring in a style where they're going up tempo a lot, you know, you know, they're spreading things out. There's just a chance that this commander's offense is going to be at least more exciting for fantasy than people are giving them credit. They're not going to be just like a slog, slow, crappy offense. And in, in, in like in theory, yeah, and the Biennemi thing, it's almost underrated because there's been so many things around Washington with Dan Snyder selling the team and everything, which we somehow didn't hit, but like uh, many thoughts on that. But Biennemi took this job because obviously for a long time, Eric Biennemi was the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs and all these other Chiefs guys got jobs. And basically, you know, Eric Biennemi being black, not getting a head coaching opportunity kind of became like the face of the lack of diversity in NFL hiring processes. And it just was this giant thing. And I, Reading the tea leaves here, the reason Eric Bieniemy he didn't get fired by Andy Reid or anything. Andy Reid let Eric Bieniemy take a lateral job with Washington, with the context being, when the ownership group changes and the new owners come in who don't owe Ron Rivera anything, Eric Bieniemy's best chance at getting a head coaching job, Andy Reid, Bieniemy, everyone kind of agreed, was crushing this season, them firing Ron Rivera and just being like, why don't we just promote Eric Bieniemy? Because he did such a good job at this offense. So Eric Bieniemy, like he ch- he chose his spot. Like Eric Bieniemy was like, if I make this offense good, this is my best chance at head coaching gig. They they have. I'm not going to say that they're going to be a good offense, but they have a lot of good skill players. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. I think Curtis Samuel is always underrated. He does get hurt a lot, but like he's a pretty good player, pretty good skill player. Uh, they have Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. I do like Chris Rodriguez. Uh, Logan Thomas was a really high volume guy at one point. Like they have some skill players here. Um, and so I don't know, man, like there's a chance this, this team could be kind of a hidden gem when it comes to like fantasy points. I can already see a first take where Sam Howell like beats the chargers on Monday night football. And then it's going to be like, listen, after his junior year, he, he was going to be a top two pick in the draft. And then he lost, he lost a lot of NFL caliber players. And then he had a bad senior year, but we, we all knew he had the skills. We all knew he had the arm talent. We all knew he had the leg talent. I'm not surprised to see Sam Howell doing what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, Sam Howell, I, again, they're going to move the, he's, he's, he's short. He's a short king. So like, they're going to move the pocket and stuff. Is he short? How short is Sam Howell? Is he like six, one, six, two? He's not tall. <laughs> Let me see. He's six, one. 
He's listed at six one, yeah, six zero zero five, so six six and a half. Inches. He ran for eight hundred and twenty eight yards in twenty twenty one in North Carolina. Yeah, he, dude, I'm telling you, it was chuck it or run. Literally, that was the offense. <laughs> Probably bad news for Antonio Gibson. The check down, possibly, yeah. Mm. All right, last tips. I just like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love's going to be good, and it's I like you have no idea how good Jordan Love's going to be. I would just like to say. Sitting is underrated for quarterbacks. All so many of the great quarterbacks have freaking sat. And the only reason quarterbacks have been thrown into the NFL wood chipper early is for like contractual structural systems of how salary caps finance. There's nothing to do with what coaches think quarter. Like every coach, if the salary cap didn't exist, would let quarterbacks sit for a year. And so we I'm not saying he's as good as Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes, but Aaron Rodgers came out in 2008, his first year as a starter. Obviously, he also sat for a few years like Jordan Love. He was the number two quarterback in fantasy that year. Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. 2018, comes out number one quarterback in fantasy. He sat for a whole year. I'm not saying Jordan Love's as good as Mahomes <laughs> or Rodgers. What I <laughs> am saying like is, what you're saying. Yeah. no, what I'm saying is we have seen dudes sit and then come out and we think of them like rookies because we don't know what they're going to be. And they're not like rookies at all. They set the league on fire. We've what seen if that he, happen. What if he's like a Geno Smith light? Like he's just been sitting behind the behind the scenes, developing, learning the offense, like getting it down on pat and then comes in and is like actually able to run the offense really well. All I'm saying with Jordan Love is if that's the case, I'd rather that happen with him on my bench than on waivers. I don't want to, you know what I mean? I don't want Jordan Love to look good and I could have drafted him in the last round and instead I took like freaking, I don't know, Khalil Shakir from the Bills, which high upside guy, I don't know. But like you could, like there's a lot of like flotsam floating around the end of drafts with your last pick. I would just take Jordan Love and just Mm. see what happens and if he sucks, you can cut him. But just in case he's good. I want to believe with Jordan Love, but... Didn't didn't the CEO uh, Mark whatever his name is I'm blanking on names today. Yeah, Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy. He came out I think yesterday and said, well, "Yeah, we're gonna really need the defense to step up early." In well, the I season. think it's smart. It's like you gotta you want to hype Set down expectations. Ex- yeah, like the Yankees were idiots because they called up Anthony Volpe as the shortstop this year and they talked about him like he was Jesus Christ and Derek Jeter had a baby. <laughs> and it's like, guess what? He's 23 years old. What are you doing? That's like what. Uh, James Gunn did for the Flash movie and, and yes. David Zasloff at Warner Brothers. They were like, this is the greatest superhero movie we've ever seen. Well, at least they have to sell tickets. The Packers have people are having babies delivered and calling for season tickets <laughs> to the Packers. Like, it's fine. <clears throat> so, the Packers are a very interesting offense, though, because if you look at who he's, who Jordan Love's going to be passing to, and maybe, the, like, honestly, maybe this is a good thing in terms of, like, he was throwing a lot to these guys last year in training camp and stuff with Romeo Dubs, Christian Watson, uh, and then now we've got rookies and Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave who are projected starters. Like this is an extremely young skill player group, uh, particularly at pass catchers. And so I think that to me is a little bit of a worry too, that like they're all going to be kind of learning together. But at the end of the day, like I am with you. I think he, him sitting for so long is definitely beneficial for him, especially for the type of prospect he was. And so, you know, if he comes in and just runs Matt LaFleur's offense, by the way, if Matt LaFleur, makes Jordan love a star. Like Matt LaFleur is going to go down as like the greatest coach of all time. <laughs> he's, he's already like got the best record over the first however many years that he's been um, coaching now. Like if he's, if he goes and just transitions right to Jordan love, like this guy's going to, his reputation is going to be through the roof. Greatest of all times a little much, but I agree. I'm and just, also, well, I'm being, <laughs> I'm, that's hyperbolic of course, but like what's his record? What's, what's Matt LaFleur's record so far? It's got to be like 45 and 10. Yeah. Does not have, I mean, started 13-3 three, three years in a row, or two years in a row, which is pretty crazy. His record right now as a coach is 47-19, and 71% win percentage. 
And they did that building an offense that he kind of had to build it with Rodgers and Rodgers do some things, but not certain he had to do everything. Jordan Love's not going to have opinions. Jordan Love's going to do whatever Matt Lafford tells him to do. And I'm not saying that Jordan Love is better than Aaron Rodgers. What I'm saying is that the Packers offense might be better with Jordan Love this year than with Rodgers right. because Jordan Love, having sat, being able to execute one cohesive vision for Matt LaFleur might be better than an injured Aaron Rodgers with a broken thumb trying to pull two different visions of an offense with Rodgers' way and LaFleur's way. And it's like Rodgers wanting his way but not being able to execute it. I actually think Jordan Love might be better this year than Rodgers was last year. This is exactly why I brought up Geno Smith, Heifetz, because everyone was like, oh, the Seahawks lost Russell Wilson. They're going to Geno Smith. Their offense is going to suck, blah, blah, blah. They're going to go and be the first overall pick because they're going to not win any games. And then Geno Smith comes in and actually runs the offense. Like Russell Wilson runs the Russell Wilson offense. Geno Smith came in and ran the Shane Waldron offense, which is related in at least in some ways to what Matt LaFleur runs in the pack for the Packers. And so um, I don't know. To me, that's why I thought of Geno Smith is because like if he, he if he just comes in and like runs his offense pretty efficiently, this offense could be really good. So I don't know, but that, that to me, that's a big leap just because they have so many young guys. Yeah, and, they, and I'm sure they're going to focus on the running game a lot. They have two good running backs and a really young receiving core. It's a, it's a good dart throw, but I mean, best case scenario, he's like Kirk Cousins. And that's pretty we'll good. We'll see. I'll just draft Kirk Cousins. Did you guys, did you guys see how Kirk Cousins uh, wears those like, or like use like brain scanners to like clear his head on that quarterback show on Netflix? <laughs> I love Kirk Cousins. Did you see the that? Placebo. I would. Yeah, I, I, I actually did not. I watched the first, he, uh, first one. He was talking about how much he loved Cole's cash. I use brain scanners sometimes at night. It's called whiskey. <laughs> and I and I just sit there and I relax. What is it? What does the brain scanner do, Craig? It's like brain training. He like watches videos with these like, you know, things on his head. And like the video will go like black every like three seconds. And it like keeps his brain alert. And he says it clears his head. And he said he played great last year because he did it more. Good God. <laughs> this reminds me of when it's always sure. sunny when they're like, yeah, it's like the, you burn the trash and then it goes up in the sky and it becomes stars. And you're like, you know, I don't know enough about that to disprove you. <laughs> it sounds wrong, but I can't. I don't know why. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you know, maybe that's why Kirk had a good year. I, I, I guess he stops using them in the playoffs. I don't know. <laughs> They're not as effective in the cold. He should just play with them on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, to, be, to be completely serious, like there's a lot of new technology that I don't, I think sounds stupid, but then it actually does work. But Yeah, sure. Anything know. with like brain, like neurofeedback yeah. stuff always sounds like really wonky, but you know, yeah. who knows? Yeah. We should sell these. <laughs> Let's try them. Email ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com if you have like a brain scan company and want to like buy ad inventory on this we show. We should see like, if like, it makes up. the pods better. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, let's do this. Yeah. Test them out. All right. Well, on that note, emails. We got an email from Zach saying, um, Zach, 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 Zachary. Again, getting sayings wrong at the worst possible time. The hiring manager at my last company was doing an orientation with a new hire and was talking about the uniform policy, what you can wear to work. And while talking about the policy, the hiring manager said, don't just free ball it thinking mm. that meant you could wear whatever you want. But this person who has like <laughs> HR responsibilities uh. and then the, he had to sit down with the owner of the company who explained to him that the owner of the company is like, so here's what free balling means. <laughs> Remember when we were in high school and we thought free balling was the funniest term? No, because we were in high school, like 15 years apart. Right. What was your guys' funniest term then? We had the internet. So like, it was more like the urban dictionary existed. <laughs> We truly oh, urban did, dictionary we did was grow huge. up on different planets. It's actually like shocking to me. You didn't you get a phone until college? Internet when you were little kids? What the fuck? Yeah. 
When did you go to high school? Did you go to high school in the, in the early 2000s? I went my freshman year, I think it was like 97. So Good Lord. I didn't have a cell phone until college, really. Cell phones were around a little in high school, but people in my high school, you'd have to like call your their so house. When you went to college, you used a payphone to call your parents. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a line in Hot Tub Time Machine where he's like, wait, so how am I supposed to find you? I'm just supposed to like go. So it sounds exhausting. Like this was like what we lived. If you go back to like the seventies through the nineties and think about how people got things done. I, I, this is why I think we're in a simulation because I'm like, there's no way people actually live that way. Like that, there's no way that happened. We're like, you just had a map in your hand and you're like, I'm going to go to Utah. (laughs) Go exploring. Yeah. I guess I'll figure out how to get there. We grew up on different fucking planets. True. This is some real parent shit where like we were, cause Craig, you had a great one where everyone's parent like has an athlete or four where they just get their names wrong. Like, you know, even Steelers fan that been rooting for 20, like for 50 years their whole life, but can't get Roethlisberger. Right. It's like the other parent thing that our parents generation does is that when you're going somewhere, they insist on telling you, okay, so you got to take, to 60 and you got to get off at exit 24, you know, by, and I'm like, mom, I'm just going to follow Google maps and I'm going to do exactly what Google maps tells me. And I will arrive faster than your stupid shortcut. If, if I go to the same store every single day and I take the same route every single day, if on the next day I get in my car and my phone tells me to take a completely different route and it looks incorrect and it's actually taking me in the opposite direction, I will still follow it. <laughs> I would drive into the ocean if Apple Maps told me to. Michael Scott. Do people do that? That happens. Yeah. It was me. I went backpacking in Europe before like cell phones were a thing over there. And I was like fucking, I would get to a city and I would have like a guidebook that was trying to explain to me where to get, like how to get somewhere. I'm like walking around in some foreign country with nothing but a guidebook to guide me. Here's the one that blows my mind. It's when you would like tell a friend, you'd call a friend on the home phone, I guess, and say... Let's go to dinner tonight. Okay, yeah. seven o'clock. We'll go to this Italian restaurant, and you just get there at seven o eight, and you're sitting down, and the, the person just doesn't show up. Then what? Exactly. You just you, you just, just eat like, dinner okay, and then go I, home. Yeah, I guess I'm doing something else. <laughs> you're like, but what, what if they get stuck in traffic? You can't leave. Like, at what nope. point do you leave? And yeah, the thing that gets me always is concerts. This is always like I understand. Like you, I guess you had to set a waypoint. Where you're like, hey, if we get lost, we'll meet there. But it's like the idea of you go to a concert with people in your general admission, never mind a festival, and you go and you go with people and you're there with your friends and then you can't find like, what the fuck do you do? Dude, imagine like going like Woodstock. (laughs) (laughs) Just waiting at the the tower, missing the show, waiting for your friend to show up who's just in line for the porta potties. Dude, do you remember classified ads? Think about no. that now. Classified ads. You put a fucking ad in the newspaper for someone to read the next day to like try and link up with people. Dude. The pre-internet was wild. When my mom graduated college, the New York Times was on strike and all these newspapers were on strike. So she couldn't get a job because there were no job advertisements. No classified ads. There were no classified. So she couldn't get a job. How do you get information back then? Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com and read funny books. Like pre-internet stories. Porn in the woods. Porn in the woods is like a subsect of this. You didn't like take a magazine passed around for your friends via some friend's dad and take it to the woods and look Remember at porn? magazines? Yeah. You know why America's falling behind in math and science? It's because kids can like go to the bathroom and look at porn on their phones. Mm. You wonder why we can't like keep up around the world. I mean, you're joking, but there's something there. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, the overstimulation of our youth. I do think it is wild, like, to think back and, 
Like I literally have to call my friend's house and ask, is like Adam there? <laughs> you know, like, can you imagine asking if someone's there anymore? Well, what's like, the thing that way? What are we doing now that's going to be like that in the future? Because I think the ones like that now, I think our kids are going to be like, it's driving a car. Yeah, you had to drive the car. Yeah, and like with they're going to be like. So when you went from L.A. to San Francisco, what did you do? And I'm going to be like, I just sat there and drove. And they're like, well, what did you do? And I'm like, I stared at I five and listened to a fucking Stayed podcast. In the lane. Yeah, <laughs> wild. Wild shit. We're old. We just don't know yet. All right. That's all we got. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Kai, for producing this episode. Thank you to everyone who's going to email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com stories from the pre-internet era. Go to fantasyfootball.themere.com. Later this week, we're going to have our top 200 up and updated. Oh, can we? Yeah. Can we get a prompt for people to send in stuff that's like the wildest part of the pre-internet age? This is obviously not listening to anything I just said. Or? Well, I'm just saying I'm being more specific. Like, what oh, okay. was the wildest thing that like just blows your mind about growing up? Things that, yeah, when you look back on, you're like, I can't either younger people being like how they do that or older people being like, I can't believe we did it that way. Or kid, you, really the genre of you kids have no idea how easy you got it. Also, I do, I was barely listening to you, to be honest. I was looking up a band. All right, cool. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> Lauren, thank you, Beck. Beck? Why Beck? I don't know. Cause Cause I, when I think of like high school or that era, I'm like, I'm a loser, baby. It was like a huge song. Also, I was a loser. Oh. You know what's funny is Beck, I feel like, is nominated for a Grammy every single year, and I, I can't name a single Beck song. <laughs> Loser. Be Beck might not be real in, as far as I'm concerned. He might be like an industry plant. Yeah. He's like one of those guys that's going to be Music Hall of Fame. I know nothing about music, so maybe that's completely wrong. But like, yeah, like he he is has got his fingers in everything, but like no one really knows what. You know, like when Matt Stafford was getting started in his career and they're like, he's going to break every single passing record, but he won't even make the Hall of Fame. That's how I feel about Beck. <laughs> he's the Matt Stafford of artists. Go right. go listen to the intro to Loser. That The intro music, just like the whole, like the hook really fucking slaps. It's really good. I think you're forgetting how good it is. I don't know much about his other music, but um, that song's really good. He, has a, he had a couple like really good hits. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgambling.com help.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelpLineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.